Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, How'd you get and you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit him. I, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. And welcome back to the Operator Podcast. Uh, this is episode 49. It's going to be a great one today. I took last week off because uh, I had some stuff going on, but I am back today. We got a great interview with uh, Andrew Plattis, who is an Army Ranger, combat veteran, entrepreneur. Um, we're going to talk about great stuff today, everything from Long Island down to him becoming a Florida resident after a a stint in the Army, becoming a Ranger. He's going to, I get asked questions all the time about different types of training, and I didn't go through some of them. Uh, rain, becoming an, a Ranger is one of them. Didn't do it. Um, sort of understand the pipeline. I worked a ton with Rangers. They're great, great people. They can, uh, they're very versatile. So we're going to talk about his combat experiences, um, everything from Army boot camp, leaving because of 9-11, being from New York, and then rolling, rolling over to Afghanistan and Iraq, stuff like that, and what we do when we get out. We, uh, we'll talk about the range we, op- we are opening up, uh, shooting range. Because it's very important to uh, maintain, and then we'll talk about um, PTSD, the effects on it, and how we can uh, help veterans with PTSD. Because one of the problems veterans have is, um, y- you know, you get told you sh- you can admit it, but a lot of us, a lot of us, don't admit it that we have issues. But uh, I, you know, the fir- I've said it before: the further you get away from. Um, combat, the, the more you have time to think about, it, especially when you have alone time. And, and some guys have a hard time dealing with it and they, they don't know how to do it. Uh, the government doesn't necessarily help us. Their, their answers always get some pills at the VA. And then there's, you know, even during the pandemic or the lockdown, whatever that was, the liquor stores were open. And that's a bad combination because I think uh, suicide's a problem, depression's a problem. And uh, when a lot of guys get into that, alcohol is not helping. So, um, but, but there are other ways what I'm getting at. So we're going to talk about some psychedelics. I've been, I've gone through some treatment that I love. I'm going to talk about that uh, later on in the show. Very, very important that people know about that and, and question why the government won't 
um, make it legal to do some of the stuff, some, some of the psychedelics, like stuff like um, whatever. We'll get into it. But th- I think the reason the government doesn't want veterans or people that, that uh, suffer from depression or PTSD, you don't need to be a veteran to, to feel those, um, the government doesn't necessarily want to make those because not only do they work, but they open your mind and then hence they have less control of you. So um, they can't have that. But um, I, before I before I get into it, I got to let you know that this uh, um, this show is brought to you today by Black Buffalo. Speaking of Rangers, speaking of Navy SEALs, one thing we always used to do is dip and dip a lot of the military. I've mentioned that before uh, in the field on the helo after you get off the helo on target. Like as soon as we cleared the target, too, I would freshen up my dip. Dip at the computer screen, dip during the briefs, even when you're briefing, which is kind of weird. As a public speaker, I'm here to tell you, if you stand in front of people and you have a dip in your mouth, you're obviously enlisted, but take it out. But put it back in when you're done with the brief, obviously. But I wanted to get away from uh, tobacco, and you've heard me talk about Black Buffalo. You have... Um, you have um, heard other people talk about Black Buffalo. And it's a great product. It's it it's the same ritual as dip. It tastes like dip. There's a lot of flavor. There's um it's tobacco free. Pouches, long cut flavors. It it uh the real thing, the real experience, but it's not tobacco. It's made from edible green leaf. So there's no tobacco leaf or stem. Um there can be pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Uh we have nicotine free, and then uh, but it's all like as I said, it's all food grade ingredients. So if if you dip now and are over 21, you got to check out blackbuffalo.com, see where these products are available. And um, like I said, no tobacco there. 21 and up, go check out blackbuffalo.com. Born in the Midwest, raised in the South, Black Buffalo, charge ahead. That's blackbuffalo.com. And episode 49 is also being sponsored by Hoist, which is a battlefield-proven hydration system drink that works 110% better than water and keeps you hydrated longer than water. Its special formula of electrolytes, carbohydrates, and fluids is absorbed rapidly rapidly to keep you powering through your next objective, your next mission, the next rep, or the next lap. It's one of three hydration products approved by the Department of Defense. Over 90% of military, U.S. military, Installations globally serve our war fighters in the field, fueling operations and training. So check out www.drinkhoist.com. D-R-I-N-K-H-O-I-S-T, drinkhoist.com. Use code OPERATOR and save 15%, or you can use their store locator and see where you can find it. So, And Hoist proudly offers 10% off for military and first responders at their website. So that's drinkhoist.com, drinkhoist.com. Use code OPERATOR to save 15%. Oh, welcome back to the Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Robert J. O'Neill. And as I've mentioned before, we call it the Operator Podcast because I think that if you're doing anything to help yourself, your family, this country, help the community, you're an operator. Um, And I like to get people's opinions from one to another. Um, so again, you know, hit me up in the comments or whatever. Twitter, I'm not necessarily going to read, but I will read it on Instagram at Makuya, M-C-H-O-O-Y-A-H, or at The Operator Podcast. But I'm fortunate today because I'm going to talk with an, a real operator, no shit, 
Andrew Plattis, or Drew, as we call him, is a former Army Ranger, a combat veteran, an entrepreneur. He's actually helping me out with some of my entrepreneurship. We're opening up a gun range in Florida that we'll talk a little bit about. Uh, it's very, very cool, and I'm not going to ruin it by talking over Drew. So, Drew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is my first podcast ever, so thank you for popping my cherry. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you that if you've ever done a podcast, and uh, I thought I thought you would say no, and I would say, well, okay, so you were truly a silent professional, not like some of us, but now we're working together, so we're gonna we're gonna get you on this just because. Uh, I think current events, I think everything from uh, recently was Father's Day, what that means, um, the good of the country, uh, an education here as opposed to going overseas and seeing stuff. So we'll, uh, hopefully we'll get you on a lot. Hopefully we get some good feedback. And I won't check Twitter because there someone's going to have a problem with you on Twitter. I don't care. Oh, definitely. Feel free to hate on me as much as physically <laughs> possible. Uh, I come from the Ranger Regiment where thick skin is like – absolutely necessary or you won't survive so if you can do better than them feel free to contact me and give me all your hate all you want that's when i first got on social media was that when i got out of um out of the navy in like 2012 and it started to hurt my feelings what people would say but once you realize it's not necessarily even someone hating on you it's someone that's mad about something you said yelling at their phone and if you can stomach it, I mean, some of the hate's funny. Like, th there's some clever people out there in cyberspace. For sure. Please give me your insightful information. I'm well, open to all. Well, the key to Twitter is don't give someone the satisfaction of blocking them. You mute them. And they don't know they're, they've been muted. So you just know somewhere is some fat dude with Cheetos and his belly button screaming at his phone and nobody cares. So that gives me, it. but, but what they'll do if you, if you block them is they'll take a screenshot and then they'll post that. Look, I made it. Someone blocked me, which, you know, so, I got, uh, I got so blocked yeah. the other day by John Cusack. Um, you know, the dude from like, yeah, he blocked me because he, he said, uh, I mean, I've, I've been a fan of John Cusack since the eighties. And, um, he said something about, I only spit facts. So debate me. And I say, I said, uh, men have penises go. And he blocked me. <laughs> that's what happens when you got no response no that's just i you know and i did of course i took a screenshot of that and then put it on my story but that's of that's good thank, thank you for the free content <laughs> yes, exactly. so yeah, yeah so I, I haven't been on any podcast i think that comes from uh yeah being beaten into the whole uh quiet professional that's what the range regiment preaches yeah. and I, yeah we don't have as good of a pr as your community but i think we're working on it over time the only deal with that is because we have better haircuts. I'm convinced Rangers are in better shape, but we have better haircuts. That's it. That's it. That's no it. argument at all. No <laughs> argument at all. And also, well, speaking of of tough skin, um, you you're from Long Island. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Now, what's that? Uh, what, what's unfortunate about being from Long Island? I like Long so, Island. So, uh, you know, I'm now a Floridian, and I love the state. I love DeSantis. I love everything about oh, the yeah. freedom of this place. Uh, I couldn't imagine myself going back to Long Island anymore at this point. Uh, I'm here for life. So uh, happy to have been born there and yeah. get the New York grit, but uh, I'm done with the Democratic liberal states as far as where I'm going to be residing, that's for sure. Florida's a good spot. DeSantis is doing a, a good job. He he you know what sucks is is he's sort of feeling the effects of what it's like to have Donald Trump come after you in a in a very 
not, I mean, it used to be unorthodox. Now we just know that's his style, but he, I mean, he, he's, I've never seen DeSantis get flustered until recently. Yeah. You know, I think the next few months will really show whether he is here to play for good or whether it's, uh, you know, he's going to be stepping back and, and end up running more on a state level for now. Mm-hmm. I think he should have waited. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I, personally, I want to keep him here. I love how yeah. everything runs here. So uh, I'm biased. Uh, I think I'm sure he'd be great for the whole country, but he's definitely great for Florida. When when our business, our shooting range, our luxury train club kicks off and I have a place to put a bedroll out, I'm going to turn Florida back into my permanent residence. I'm kind of jumping around now, but uh, the I mean, the like the only issue I have with Florida is the month of July. It's too damn hot. Yeah. Well, this is so this is what happens. We just shut down and we go party for the month of July and enjoy okay. ourselves or get our minds right. And that's like our time to like personal life, work on okay. yourself, yep. do whatever you got to do for yourself without the kids around all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And then, you know, when everything's back in season and the kids are all at school, this place is, you know, very busy. The economy is amazing. Yep. The people are amazing. So. We're lucky to have you when you come down here for good. And I know my family's thrilled to have you here. Oh, yeah. Business is so good in Florida. And obviously, vacationing is so good in Florida. And people are so good in Florida. I I don't get why the leftists say, well, don't go there. It's dangerous. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Yeah, uh, especially when, uh, you know, where most of these gun issues are coming from, there are places like, you know, they're left states. There are places like Chicago, New York. California. So, you know, the whole argument about this place being the Wild West and that's what makes this place crazy. Truthfully, I don't see it. I see, uh, you know, a well-armed citizenship who cares about the protection of their people, their rights, their kids' rights. And and truthfully, like the American ideals that you and I fought really hard for and that we wanted to promote. Yeah, I, I, it blows my mind that's because the recently some of the uh, the groups because they've grouped us all into groups have said it's dangerous to go there and and not just because of the guns but because of the the white rage and all the gangs apparently of roving rednecks I, that are I, running I can't around wait beating to watch uh, them on the streets. I'm yet to find one of them. Uh, if I do, you, your post, Thank I'll you. give it to you. You can post it out. Your viewers could be the first to see it. Yeah, if if we see a white supremacist, he's not welcome at the range. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah, it's, it's, absolutely it's, not. I mean, but I, the point to me of uh, you know, the range and what we've seen so far with the people that are joining are it's from all walks of life. Yes, you know, I, that's exactly I think, right. I think people assume that people with a very socially liberal principle would. Uh, not understand their own rights uh, or care about their own gun rights and Second Amendment rights. But, you know, I think when it comes to security, the scarier the world gets, the more desperate the economy gets, the more yeah. people are going to feel that need to keep themselves safe, keep them their families safe and, you know, train for what possibly could come in the future for them. Um Going back to the hate on the Internet, I think that's where a lot of the hate for the state of Florida comes because and I tell people, you know, if you're if you're pissed at your phone, go outside and leave the phone at home, and you're going to find that most people are good. I don't think most people are afraid sure. of Florida, but I think a lot of the left, the leftist media, a lot of the politicians who say whatever they need to get elected say that about Florida. But I, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people go to vacation in Florida because it's awesome. So um, um, let, we'll get to train club in a bit. Can we go back to um, yeah, Long exactly. Island? Growing up in Long Island, what's that? 
So growing up on Long Island was a very normal suburban life, to be honest. Uh, My family's in finance, so it all got rocked in September 11th. Uh, You know, if you grew up in the tri-state area, 9-11 was a serious deal for you. Uh, I would say the scariest moment of that was the second, you know, they showed the kids at school. I, I was probably like 11, 12 they showed us on the screens what was going on. I knew my family was all in there, my uncle, my grandfather, my father. So there was concern. Um yeah. For sure when everything when the planes first hit, but it didn't seem that bad and then I was in engineering class, like a woodworking engineering class, uh when the towers actually came down. Oh wow. And I had like kind of a meltdown obviously. Um when when you say you had family there, do you mean in Lower Manhattan or in the towers? So no, uh, my family was into commodities, so yep. trading oil, gold, silver, etc. And that was in the World Trade Center. They were uh, not in the towers, thankfully. They were all down there, but not in the towers. My grandfather actually never a guy who takes a day off from work decided that day was not for him. My uncle, unfortunately. Uh, Escaped there, luckily. Uh, very traumatic event for him, for sure. Uh, and him and actually his friend, uh, Vinny Viola, current owner of the uh, Florida Panthers, they actually were down there every single day right yeah. after the towers, making sure that uh, they were speaking to the government, making sure that they could work with telecommunications companies and really treating it like a war zone and getting the American economy back on track because that's really what the oh, attack yeah. was about. And uh, they handled it perfectly. I mean, they least amount of damage to the American economy as possible. And, you know, I'm very proud of the work that they did for sure. It was something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's why they attacked lower Manhattan. The twin towers was the international symbol for financial dominance. That That's just, that's New York. And I always tell people what I love about New York is that if you're anywhere in the world and you say, yeah, I'm going to the city, you you mean New York? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> so you know, no, you, a funny we, story we, about we, that too is my my father uh, in the first bombing lost his car in in the garage when they did the first bombing. Shouldn't ours as well. Nope. So, so my he, family, he's in, wow. My family's definitely had their fair share of experience with uh, you know that kind of attack, that type of terrorism in their life. And as I grew older, it motivated me to get involved in a way that I could and seemed like the best way that I could do that was to join up. And I was actually at the recruiter going, should I be a seal? Should I be a ranger? <laughs> I, I went to both. Uh, and uh, the defining factor for me, I was like, okay, when I, if I'm a seal, how long until I get to go overseas and get yeah. to get my feet dirty? Cause by the time I grew up, we were towards the end of the war. I didn't want to miss the war if you would. So uh, the range regiment told me, oh, you'll be in combat in the first year. So I was, signed me up right away. That's the one I'm going to do. So the rest is history. So you, 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 on 9-11, you, you said you were in an engineering class. That's high school or was it younger? Uh, I was in middle school. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. Last year. That, school, that's that's funny. You, met, you mentioned that I was already in at SEAL Team 2. And even guys there were saying, well, we got to get over there so we don't miss the war. That, that I heard that's so many crazy. people say that. That's and I mean, if, if, if you think about it, 
they should have been right. We should go kick someone's ass yeah, and be yeah. out of there in a week. We both definitely should have been right. The fact that I wasn't even right is sad, sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was pissed because I had to go. I, we the biggest the biggest show in town for us was Kosovo on 9-11 and we were just there and we thought we were high speed because we're doing recon and surveillance in the mountains in Kosovo watching literally some dudes lean against a phone pole for 12 hours a day like that's the, <laughs> that's our excitement and then uh, 9-11 but we had to go back to Virginia Beach and even just going back for a rotation was like I'm gonna miss the whole damn thing that's crazy there is and, that kind of fear though like right no matter what I mean even when you're out afterwards you're like am I missing anything that I yeah. should be doing uh, yeah, definitely always that feeling that and the lesson that be very careful what you wish for. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree with that more. So the so the uh, so I uh, a lot of people that listen to my podcast, they love the um, they love the pipeline of how to get to where you're going to yep. to the 70th Ranger Regiment. Like, I, I know the buds thing and I've told the buds thing and, and they're asking me why I don't tell most more stories. It's like, dude, I. I only have so many stories. How, how did it go with you like from the recruiter? Definitely. To... So I'll, I'll explain uh, the Ranger pipeline. And a lot of this gets confused because people think of Ranger school, they think of Ranger, but that's actually not the pipeline. So like Ranger school is uh, a leadership school in the army. It's there for uh, yes, Rangers to move into a leadership position, but it's also there to teach the regular army leadership Ranger skills as well. So for us, uh, when I joined, I went to basic training. Then I Where went was to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, nope. I love talking about everyone's experience the very first day they got to boot camp. Like, what the fuck okay, did I just do? My favorite. Absolutely no problem. <laughs> um, so I'm like a Long Island kid. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, before I got to the military, I was kind of spoiled, right? I grew up in a nice little spoiled environment. Um, <laughs> I, I'll never forget just like being stripped down down right before we get in the shower you know i'm in my fucking boxers i got my new military uniform and i'm staring at everyone around me and just the smell of fucking you know all those grown men in one area and it's maybe it was the cortisol of everyone panicked because everyone oh, yeah. doesn't know what to expect but you could just like smell fear for the first time in my whole life yeah that that's the way i felt too that um j just everyone from all walks of life from every every state new york montana washington california everyone was like what the what did i just do what, yeah. what am i doing standing here but I, I think in my experience at least um no matter where you are eventually you get used to it you just got to give it a minute i think that's with everything right so you just uh keep a positive attitude about something for long yeah. enough and you just keep with it everything becomes normal to some degree time time heals everything yep. uh it, you will have better days and you'll have bad days and uh, stop worrying about what people think of you because they really don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, there's no. <laughs> I mean, not not they mind. don't care about you, but they're not worried about you. Like, okay, you fucked up. Who cares? Yep. Um. So, I went to basic training at uh Fort Benning, where I stayed pretty much the rest of my military life. Unfortunately, yeah. For a Long Island kid who hopped on the train and went to the city his whole life to be in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, was a huge adjustment. Um, what what month was it? Just like say yeah. that again. What month? I'm just I'm because I'm comparing. Oh, I, all right. I, so I, I went through I, jump school in Georgia or in in January, and it was still hot. <laughs> yeah, the crazy thing about Fort Benning is, it, I couldn't figure out where we were located geographically on a map until I really looked at it because 
it could be a hundred degrees or it could be like 32 degrees and make no sense whatsoever. So George is an interesting place. Uh, it was, I guess, basic training must've been July, oh. July, August. So it was, it was hot, swampy, gross, sticky. Um, but I, basic training for me wasn't really that difficult. I got lucky. I got uh, hooked up with a guy who he was a former MMA fighter and uh, phenomenal shape. He kind of took me under his wing and I didn't know much about really getting in crazy shape or being tough or learning how to shoot. This kid spent his whole life from Missouri doing the same things that I wanted to learn. And he taught me pretty well in basic training, which gave me a good footing. And by the end, I was second in the class behind him. So, oh, behind him. Cool. So he was, uh, how much older was he than you? He, he was actually a year younger than, like six oh, wow. months younger than me, which kind of annoyed the shit out of me. But, uh, you know, it was annoying above all of that was at graduation, they were like, okay, the best, right before the last PT test, they go, whoever gets the best in class can go to West Point. Oh, shit. So I go, do it, do not, uh, we fought for it hard. I lost by like three seconds on a run. Pursuity, shout out to you. Great job. Uh, he went out to West Point. I said, don't ever, I better not see your face ever again. Like it better be five years before I see you again. And you're some officer in charge of me. I don't want to see you again. So after I went through selection, unfortunately I saw Pursuity about a couple months later, I guess, uh, West Point was not for him. He was definitely meant to break bones and not books. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. You can't arm your arm bar your way out of grades, I guess. Unfortunately <laughs> not, but he, I'm sure he tried. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. What did, what did he end up doing? Uh, he ended up making it through battalion, obviously no yeah. problem. And he was a, he's an amazing guy, period. I mean, he, he yeah. did a lot of good things in battalion for sure. Well, hopefully offline, you can tell me about him and I can meet him, but we're not, yeah, we're definitely, not, yeah, definitely. just bring it up the silent professional thing. If he's not here and if he's an <laughs> MMA fighter, I don't need to bring him up. <laughs> definitely. So, so, so you get done with that and then what, what goes, what happens next? Yep. So we get through basic, then I go to airborne school for, uh, I don't know, I guess it was three, four weeks, same thing in Benning. And then it was Christmas break. So I got lucky and got to go home for like two weeks. Um, what was your first jump like? Okay, I'm going to be totally honest with you. This is probably not something I should totally admit, but I'm going to. I, You know, they give this whole briefing, don't get drunk the night before. Oh, well, yeah. Definitely didn't listen to that. I was young and dumb, and I... I was definitely hung over on my first jump. I was thankfully so hung over that I don't think any of the real fear kind of sank in whatsoever, one foot in front of the other. And I wouldn't say it was a graceful exit. It was probably no. more of like a mosey on out of there. <laughs> no, that might be better. Just take the edge off. Like, uh, you know what? If the shoot doesn't open, fuck it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Yeah, that was I mean, uh, especially like, I mean, look, a uh, high altitude jump is different than those airborne yes. jumps, right? 200 feet. Uh, when you hit the ground, it's it's painful. It's not the most enjoyable experience. Those were those were a lot harder than 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 free fall. But I guess they have the new shoots now that are I think they're like square shoots. They uh, they can control them and they can flare and all that shit, I guess. I am so happy for them. That, that yeah, good, good job. Good job. I just liked it because I was smart enough to be able to hook. 
uh, to a static line. They could throw me out of plane, but they were also throwing loads of sandbags too. So I don't know what that says, but uh, that was yeah, a, that exactly was a, that was my first experience with the army was uh, at Fort Benning, Georgia, with uh, and it was kind of a neat experience because a lot of people only know. Um, what they see in movies and they think full metal jacket. So when I was going there, I'm like, I'm God, I'm going to meet all these soldiers. And I just finished buds and I like meet them. And like, I'm a year older than them. And they're asking me questions like, okay, this is kind of cool. These are just young dudes like me. Yeah. I, I, that's what I really liked about the schools in general, in the military is you really got, you know, I got to go to a basic driving school later on yeah. uh, in my career and getting to work with guys from all different agencies, all different uh, special operations units. It was like a wonderful Going down, sitting down for dinner after those drives was probably one of the most enlightening experiences I had while I was in the military, just because mm -hmm. of, you know, the people that you get to meet while you're there. Where were you driving? Oh, everything. Uh, shitty cars, Tahoes. We flipped cars. We we did everything. I mean, that place, I don't think the instructors realized that some kid from Long Island could go straight up crazy on that track dukes a hazard i did not care i was willing to do whatever's necessary to beat those fucking track records for sure was it was it all track did you do any off-road any yeah uh, it was like a mix of off-road and track and yeah. i'll tell you a good story about there is uh, you know at the end is like a final thing where they come and try to pit you and and break you and oh wow you start around this dirt track and then you make it to the main track where you got to get evade people all the way to the finish line that's um, really cool they, no one they, ever really um, gets it past the dirt track because the dirt track is like, you know, the worst. There's cars everywhere. It's impossible. I saw a little lip where they put the berms to put the cars around. And I thought about a good idea. Instead of trying to take the exit, uh, I tried to make my own exit. And I went clean over the berm, got over and made it onto the main track. The car behind me with the instructor did not. He ended up getting <laughs> injured, actually. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of feel bad, but uh, everything's fine with him. No major injuries for the rest of his life, thankfully. But uh, yeah, we watched that video in the in the conference room probably for like nonstop for about an hour. That, hey, you learn. You don't learn from doing things right. Uh, I think you learn from failures. You know the reason that we I was going through driving schools too, and I they said the reason they started doing track to off road to track was because of the the high speed ambush Al Qaeda was doing in Iraq. Um, because they and and you got to fucking know how to you know uh, how's the how's the car slash up armored suburban going to respond when I go from pavement to dirt, uh, gas and you know everything from when you're taking a corner you want to lay off both pedals until you get to a spot then gas yep. it up and how to brake and and then uh, the J turns are fun unless you have a rental car somewhere in the middle of America and you've had a couple cocktails <laughs> which I've heard people have done. Uh, not you though, sure. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. I was talking about some friends, uh, more uh, other friends that I can't uh, mention. Okay. Um, so you finished jump school, and then here's the process where people seem to get confused because there's isn't there different parts of the pipeline? Like you can go to is it RIP? And yeah, then so to call yourself a ranger, you have to go through RIP. That's okay. The truth. Uh, um, otherwise, you're ranger qualified. Ranger qualified means you went to the leadership school. So to get to just like to call yourself a seal you can't go through any other way you got to go through buds right mm -hmm. so our version when i went in was called ranger indoctrination program yes. also known as rip which yep. for me was like the perfect acronym because rip is the definition uh now <laughs> it's called rasp a little different yeah i've got a family member that uh 
went to rasp didn't make it you know we all sometimes you fail but then he got he got the schools uh in the army he got like uh air assault sniper a bunch of other stuff and then they're gonna let him go back so that i mean that's yeah i mean that's just good shit right there that's a, that's a yeah, pretty that, good that happens right. anyway and truthfully like the guys that that's happened to that i've seen that with uh they come in higher ranking and believe it or not they actually come in to the regiment with like some added yeah. stuff yeah. that yeah. you know the regular guys are just not gonna get yeah, we, we would have dudes that uh, I knew guys that uh, went in as like an E3 to Buds and quit. And they, and then they went to the fleet for like three years. They came back and made it like, fuck the fleet. I'm I'm going to be here. I, I can be. Yeah, that's a motivator, too. Yeah. I mean, to be quite honest, uh, one of the guys in basic training that I was with was a little slow, is to say the least. And he got a waiver for, uh I gotcha. guess his AVSAP, you know, the, the score on the test that you got to take to yeah, get into the ASVAP. military. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just told myself, like, I want to be with the, you're making it through. There's no way that you're serving with anyone other than the best of the best of the best. You got to just do whatever you got to do. And, and I did. Right. So, so we Rip went is through, at, go ahead. Yeah. Rip is after airborne school. Um, I'll butcher it. If I tell you exactly how long it is, that's no for worries. sure. Uh, but I, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I, I showed up, um, huge smoke session right off the bat. They pick you up at airborne school with all your bags, holding it over your head with literally everything that you own. You run the three and four miles down to where uh, training is. And then it's just nonstop breaking you. I remember people quitting like right then on the spot. They were like, all Shit. right, fuck this. I'm not doing this. This is way too much for me. I didn't see what was happening. So, so uh, it's it's a it's a you can drop on request. You can quit anytime. Then, yeah. So the range regiment is a volunteer unit. You can during training, whether it's selection or during battalion, you can be you can ask to leave and you can be asked to leave at any point in time. So, like mm-hmm. you're kind of earning your spot every day over there. So they you show up and they instantly whip your ass. That that would mean that's that's a good psychological thing there if you just showed up and we're doing this craziness that's i mean that's a that's a good uh what are the uh what's the cadre like what are the instructors like so yeah i mean great question the, the cadre are like typical first of all you hear about ranger in the army and like yeah. it's just like if you were in the navy and you hear about seals so when you finally meet one you know you're fucking a little nervous you don't know uh-huh. what, and they're calling you a turd and a shit bag and all the good stuff that about you whereas when my basic training instructor said that it didn't hit me so hard all yeah. of a sudden, when someone has some uh, caliber and some honor, you're like, oh, man, I'm really I'm a piece of shit. I, do I really belong <laughs> to be here? All that starts creeping in your head for sure. I, I can totally relate. I remember the f- leaving boot camp and Navy boot camps, nothing compared to Army basic. But uh, I got to to buds to SEAL training. And the first time I saw a Navy SEAL chief smoke somebody i was like this is next level this i don't really want to be here anymore (laughs) i totally understand so then what do they do what's an what's an average day at rip so i mean there really isn't an average day rip i think that's kind of the point over there is to always keep you on your toes um but uh you know it's been a while so some of it's not amazing but i can remember certain parts so absolutely well i remember our first major run um I'm getting out there. I'm a little nervous. I'm like, I don't know how fast this run is going to be. These guys are probably 40 times faster than me. Mm -hmm. I just got to beat at least half these people in this pack and I'll be fine. Yeah. 
all of a sudden the cadre comes out and we're introduced to a new cadre. And I look over and he's putting on a prosthetic leg. Uh, his name's Sergeant Cap. He actually wrote a book uh, back in the fight. He was the first ranger to, or the first special operator to return to combat with a prosthetic. I've heard of him. Yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away recently, actually, Rob. Um, oh, shit. Huge mentor of mine. Uh, and I would say huge mentor in battalion, period. He's a legend Ooh, yeah. in battalion. His stories yeah. are amazing. His character was amazing. So, uh, I, I got to see him put on a leg and I was like, all right, how fast can this guy run? Right. What's he really capable of? I see this spring type leg. I'm like, there's, I know nothing about prosthetics. I'm thinking he's going to be much slower than me. Well, mm -hmm. we take off and this dude is so much faster than me, Rob. It would make your head spin. I, I'm running <laughs> like a 630 mile. He's running like wow. 520s. No problem. You know, he's fast. He's 545 booking it. That a prosthetic leg actually gives kind of an advantage, I think, to some degree. They could spring off of it, but he, he was booking it. At the end of the run, I'm vomiting. The other three people that are keeping up at the front are vomiting. We look over at Cap, and he, like, barely is broken a sweat. And I'm just defeated, Rob. I was like, "There's if this is what the people are like in battalion, there's, there's no way I'm keeping up with them. I, right. I can't see myself being that tough, but... <laughs> you know, that's, was, I mean, looking back though, I mean, yeah, it's that's intimidating as shit. But looking back, like, what a fucking guy, man! That's just incredible. Yeah, it it was a great, you know, subconsciously what he did for us, and I think he know he knew that uh, was we all thought no matter how bad it got, no matter how shitty you were in pain, no matter how terrible Rip really got. If this guy could do it yeah. with his circumstances and not complain and do it with a smile, he's enjoying to do it. Mm -hmm. You just need to find whatever's in you to enjoy it the way he does. Yeah, just yeah. See if you can enjoy the enjoy the misery and misery loves company type. Yeah, shit. and uh, he taught that to us for sure. That's cool. Man. That's cool. Um, so these are all the instructors from Ripper are battalion guys, Ranger Battalion. Yeah, so they have to be. They all I think have to have had combat experience and yeah i've been in battalion for at least three years and, and now just uh, i'm I, i'll say this is for people listening who don't know but it's more for my information um because i've heard and I, I work with rangers pretty much 99 percent of the missions we were working with uh the rangers um th there are there are tab rangers and then the scroll right yep so well you have a scroll no matter what if you're a ranger so the tabs yep. are that's what happens when you go through ranger school, which is further in your career. You're going right. to do that uh, when you're ready to take over uh, a, a squad or a team. You're going to end up going over to ranger school to be able to get your it's like our leadership school. Right. It's a leadership because, so yeah, you're going to be a squad leader. Correct. Exactly. So, OK, so, that 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 actually makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> you really already have the skills already. It's kind yeah. of like. You know, the Ranger Regiment, and that we talk about this, they beat it in your head early on. They want you to know your history. And the Ranger yeah, Regiment's good. purpose is to be able to be an elite force in the Army and in the military that not only operates as an elite force, but constantly is pushing people out and, and putting people in educational schools, things like that, to disseminate that information that we learn from being in that combat situation and having those elite tactics right. and pushing those to the rest of the military. I feel like 
this country needs to be beating real history into people's heads because we're at yeah, a point now where we're just sure. we're making it up now. Just uh, we don't like the past, so we're just going to pretend it didn't happen. And if you know the history of anything, if you forget your history, you're going to repeat it. And it's just uh, yeah, knowing your history. I used, the, I used to love that in the Navy, the customs, the courtesies, the history, um, just what everyone's done from from. I was just reading today about Battle of the Bulge, which I already know what happened, but just reading about that generation and uh, then watching on Instagram, some guy hits a deer and he's screaming and crying with his pink hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, we've gone, you know, to a different place in our society for sure, unfortunately. So you finish RIP and then you deploy, right? So, yeah. I mean, so I've my last week of RIP, which is your... Uh, Hell week is our coal range. Coal range. Yeah, that, that's what we call it. So, you know, you guys have a week where you yeah. guys do all your misery. They take us to a place called coal range. Where what is that? Like, it's a little tiny subsection inside of Fort Benning where they've created an environment where they can beat this shit out of you in every way, form that they can think uh -huh. of without anyone hearing your screams in the woods. Um, it's brutal uh they found just, that it was my birthday unfortunately oh, who who told who time. said that who told on you i don't remember who <laughs> Man, honestly i think they like looked at you know they have access to your, like all your information oh and sure stuff they like do. so like it's someone fucking new and next thing i know it, we're throwing me kind of like a birthday party and uh yeah that's not the same as a birthday party election right? version of a birthday party is not a good idea so <laughs> they fed us i swear they gave us the shittiest mres they finally fed us after god knows how long and they they must have picked out the worst mres you could think of yeah what was your least up. favorite mre uh probably like the meatloaf or scrambled egg and cheese is pretty scrambled eggs sucked i i and i mm. i can I think I can eat anything. I hated the scramble. Like they called the hot dogs the four fingers of death. I loved those things. I thought they were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I learned with like the cheese sauce. I, I actually learned from I learned from Rangers how to use the cheese, the beef stew, and whatever to make the pudding and all that shit. Like you can, oh, you can get a yeah. See, I mean, that's what Rip is. Is like and Ranger School. It's pretty much a uh, prison uh, for the military where you learn how to become a chef out of the most basic material. Materials known to mankind for sure. Yeah, you can use them all. I got a kick yeah. out of the. Uh, I uh, I make sure it's to say front toward enemy because that's you know the easiest way to explain how this works. And I always got a kick out of the MRE because the box with the main meal with the heater would say and then and lean it up against a rock or something. It's like cool. or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was so anything could be something. That's that's shit. I should make a shirt out of that. I don't yeah. know what was in that stuff. I don't want to know what's in that stuff. I just know about the me the meals ready to eat, the MRE. They put something in there for people in combat because you'd be constipated for like four days oh, and then you shit a volleyball. Definitely. <laughs> but at least you're not, I mean, you know, so you're not going to shit. We ate all pants. that food uh, and we left like a ton of it over because it was disgusting. And they came over. They're like, all right, so you guys don't really like your birthday party food, obviously. Too fucking bad. Now eat all that food that's in the garbage. So we're like picking apart the grossest the MREs fuck out of here. that other people ate and eating them. And I just started vomiting nonstop because like, what are you? It's disgusting. I don't care who you are. That's just uh, I not a pleasant environment to be That's in. so funny. It's so cruel and creative. 
The way that they pretended they were insulted. Oh, you don't like your birthday party we threw for you. Fine. We'll think of something else. That's Yo, that's sadistic. I love it. Yeah. So I <laughs> I finished up that week. And then the last week of that or the last phase of that is a 12 mile road march that we all got to do. I think it's like two hours and 45 minutes, 65 or 75 pounds on your on your back in a rucksack. Um and that's like the final exercise, right? So as long as you're, after you've been beaten for a week, the last exercise of that week is your 12 mile road march. Now, can you please explain the difference between going backpacking and an army ranger road march? Yeah, I, I'll explain it, especially too, from a different perspective <laughs> for you people who are not six feet two, like oh uh, shit, a lot of my friends, you know, being tiny like myself, your stride has to be quite long, uh, and it's a lot of weight. And it's a you're in combat boots on concrete up mountains, and you know you're running. It's not a you're not no. walking. You cannot walk. It's a jog to a run the whole time. That shit's um, heavy. It's heavy. It weighs on you, and you really it's hard to pace yourself. It gets tough after a while. I mean. It's not the end of the world. A lot of us have no issue in the military getting to those kind of things, but uh, it's not an easy exercise for sure. And it's definitely not an easy exercise after the hell that you've been through for the week oh. prior. And it's well doing it sucks too, but um, it pays off. Uh, I, I remember when we were working with Rangers, we always had the, the Carl Gustav, the, the 84 millimeter uh, and then, but there's someone that's got to carry the rounds. And for some reason, they always picked a short guy to carry the, the, ruck full of rounds and the never complained once just wouldn't jump the water he's like fuck it i'll just go through it i don't care yeah you're not allowed to keep complaining is not a ranger <laughs> word for sure <laughs> we used to say um and i still go by this you can't complain but you're allowed to bitch once in a while yeah i don't i wouldn't do that in battalion either no 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 I, not in train not in train no one gives a fuck they'll, they'll throw you a surprise birthday party yeah exactly exactly so you finished so you finished fin sorry passed my run i passed my my road march and uh they weigh your pack at the end of it to make oh, sure fuck. and so no my pack weighed like eight pounds heavier okay um i didn't have boots on my packing list an extra pair of boots so i just filled my socks with rocks to be like oh that'll work as wow. long as it's heavier, it's not a video. Yeah. They're not going to give me a hard time. I rocked with a heavier pack. If anything, I'm better at my job, not worse. <laughs> well, you know, the special operations community is more about attention to detail than they are about most things. So absolutely they are. Uh, I passed my run with like, or my ruck with about 25 minutes to spare. Good time. Um, and then I got a no-go and had to do it. Oh, fuck. I thought I was going to fail. So I was like really defeated because I made it through the whole thing and I'm this close and here I am on the last exercise and I still succeeded, but I'm an idiot. So I failed. That's um, a... It was tough, but what are they, they give what are they you an opportunity. You? They say, okay, graduation is tomorrow at like 11, right? They go, you can do one more road march in the morning for all the people that failed. So I'm in the next morning. I, my feet are bloody. Yeah. My my boots are covered in blood. Someone gives me a pair of boots, and then my packing list this time at least is checked off. Um, and I go out there, and most I would say like 
80% of them were people who failed the day before period, whether it was like a medical thing or whatever happened. Um, it wasn't because of a packing list issue, but mine was a packing list issue. Um, and I did it again. Only myself made it through as the second go around. So all the other people that had to do it twice failed. Uh, and I remember at the end of the run, it was miserable. I don't know how I made it through to this day. I mean, truthfully, what got me through is I knew my family was already on a plane. And I'm like, look, no matter what it takes, they're not going to show up and they're going to be like, you failure, you suck at life. This is not happening to you. You'll never live it down. They said that you couldn't do it. So like, there's no way you could do it. Um, doing that said, twice, doing twice in 24 hours is impressive. Yeah. Less than 24 hours. Yeah, it was like 12 hours, really, with like three, four hours of sleep at most. Ugh. So I'm getting towards the end, and the instructor's like Sergeant Brash, who was uh, very nice and painful to me at the same time. He built real character, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. He was like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. So I'm spending the last mile sprinting as fast as I can. I don't care if my feet fall off. I hit the ground like four times from my rock just hit me in the back of the head yes. and having too much momentum forward. Uh, he's like counting guys like 15, 14, 13. And I pass it like 11 or you know, like 11, 10, nine, somewhere in that area. And then I, he goes, great job. You had like 32 minutes to spare. And I fucking <laughs> lost it. I just lost it, Rob. I was, I was so pissed. <laughs> 32 minutes to spare. Old that's... military bearing out the window. I was like, uh -huh. fuck you. That's not nice. That's messed up. He's like, don't worry. You'll appreciate it later on. And yeah. I definitely did. It's a great story. So thank you for putting no, me that's, help. No, that's hilarious. And then you got to explain to these. Are, you're not wearing like kick-ass North Face or Dana packs. These are army rucks. Oh, I still have the scar from the metal framing in, yeah. in my back. Just rubbing up and down and up and down. It's It's really... It's a brutal pack. I don't know who designed that. No, th those are pre-Vietnam era packs. And the guy who ever did that, I mean, they must have taken like a torture device and said, you know, let's repurpose this for something a little more useful. <laughs> this I is the see. this is called the wheel. They used it in 1400 in England to torture. Make it like that. <laughs> exactly. Fuck those guys. That no, but that's that that is funny with the uh the countdown and the 32 minutes to spare cuz it's a total mind game too like I mean, for all we know, he was just testing to see if you just say, fuck it. A thousand percent. And I think he wanted to teach me, too, that, you know, I've had a lot of good Ranger leaders. I've been yeah. lucky. And, and I think he was one of them. It's all tough love always. But it was another reminder of you're putting limitations on yourself, man. There's, that's there's awesome. really no limitations there. You've built in your head that that's how long it takes you. So that's how long it takes you. But yeah, if you pick a new benchmark and you work at it, like you can accomplish whatever you put mm -hmm. your mind to. Yeah. Your, 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 your body quits long before your mind. If your mind quits, you're done. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So that's, so they let you graduate that day. So yeah, I graduated that day. Um, I was in the back of the, of the room because I had to be on my tippy toes. I couldn't put my heels down because there was no mm -hmm. skin at all. Zero. So if I put my heels down, it would hurt too much. So I was like propping up space between my, you know, the heel of my shoe and, and my foot just so that I didn't have to feel that. And then luckily graduation came. My family actually missed the graduation accidentally. They went to the wrong graduation, which is hysterical. 
But then we finally linked up and I was free for three days, which I still remember as being the best break I've ever had in yeah, I'm my sure. whole life. Um, What'd you guys well do? Earned and I pretty much just kept my feet. I was came to Florida. I kicked my feet up. I think I ate on the bed. Mm -hmm. I just healed my feet for three days before heading back and joining my platoon over at a uh, battalion. So <laughs> you're not really getting a lot of breaks. You got, you got the Christmas break and then you're going now. You, then, you know, then you go to rip and then you do two right road marches. Yeah. Then, and so three days off and then you're going to the, uh, to the battalion where I'm assuming they treat new guys kind of like the way we treat new guys. So I get to battalion going, I'm done. This is great. Yeah. I'm I finally gonna, made it. I'm going to meet my friends. These people are going to be my brothers. They're going to love me. And then you show up and it's like, they literally tell you the second that you line up, they go, first of all, they pick you out. They like start seeing you and they're like, I'll take that guy. I'll take that guy. And oh, fuck. I'm tiny. I end up in a line squad, not a weapon squad. Thank God. Cause I was not built for carrying a 240 Bravo. The yeah. Those are big guns. As much as I do. Um, not that I haven't had to carry it in my career at some point, but oh yeah, not, it's not the right weapon system for me. I don't think. The, um, the, I think we call that M4 appreciation. You're carrying the 240 today. Definitely. With all the ammo, by the way. <laughs> how it works. Yeah, that's that's it. So they uh, they pick you out. And then but, are you back to um, what What did I get myself into mode? Or how does... Are yep, you get, so it's, it's immediately like constant smoking and serious education. It actually made Rip seem kind of freaking easy. Yeah. All of a sudden, I have to know everything about everything. All Ranger history, all weapons history. Good. Use everything. I'm getting packets like this that I have to memorize. I'm getting tested every 20 seconds. Obviously, I can't remember that fast. I'm no. getting smoked nonstop. We're doing combatives in the morning where I'm getting my ass whooped by guys mm -hmm. who've been doing this their whole life, and I'm brand yeah. new to it. <laughs> it was, and everyone hates you. Uh, it's it's really it's not the in greatest each? environment for sure. No, no, that's that's I I had a. I was a cocky brand new guy and we finished buds and we, we don't know that we don't know shit. And we have a reunion every year uh, in Virginia beach, third, third uh, week in July. And there was a, an old, old timer there wearing a, a big trident hat and it said seal team or something that the old guys wear. And I walked up to him. He looks too old to be a seal. Cause seal started in like 1962. And I said, Hey, when'd you go through hell week? And he said, uh, 1944. And I said, we didn't have hell week then. And he said, we did on Omaha beach. Know your heritage. Like, Whoa. <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Wrong okay, guy to offend, I guess for sure. Here's my hat. I'm so sorry. Here's a beer. Here's my beer. You can yeah, have definitely. Mine. Here's all that's the cool. beers in the whole store. Thank you. But that's, that's so important that, and, and I think too, they're doing that because they went through it also. And I, I mean, I remember, I'm not trying to tell my stories, but I remember uh, even when we got to SEAL Team 2, a guy said, the reason I'm so hard on you is eventually we're going to be at war together. And I need to know that you can carry me and all my gear. I, that's We got to know this. And and I love, I, but I love the, the Ranger history. That's, that's, that's big. That's huge. Yeah. Well, you know, Ranger history is something not any different than SEAL history, but it, it's special to us because it's been around since 1776, right? Uh -huh. So. The Ranger Regiment is kind of like those guerrilla tactics are why you have freedom uh, in a right. lot of ways. Uh, it's something that most Americans don't know. I think it's interesting that they don't. It's an important part of our history. We used to just stand in lines and shoot each other face to face. Yeah, no kidding. 
Well, I mean, th- th- even mentioning Omaha Beach, when I the first thing I think of when I well, not the first thing, but one of the first things when I hear uh, uh, Ranger is Point Duhok when the yeah. Rangers are. I mean, it's it, you're not just climbing across the beach. Now you're climbing the cliffs with the fucking Nazis above you. Like, yeah. When, what when kind of balls did that take? That, right. In battalion. And you're like, OK, there are 200 guys who were getting shot at down a cliff climbing up. Only 92 people made it by the time that they were done that were ready to continue combat. That's insane. And those cliffs go, are nuts too. I mean, I mean, even climbing a set of stairs, you don't want to be the the guy down, the low guy with someone shooting at you. Those, I mean, I wish wow, every American I've climbed could so see many those caving cliffs. ladders overseas in the worst places. We were even in Tikrit, which is like a pretty busy city in some high areas. I yeah. couldn't in a million years imagine with no safety climbing a hundred foot cliff. Uh-huh. With Nazis shooting down at me. That I recommend false. everyone sees them in person, but for everyone listening right now, go get on the internet and look up Point Duhok and, and look Omaha Beach. Amazing. Insane. Amazing. So you wouldn't, yeah, another time where the Ranger Regiment is uh, definitely responsible for promoting freedom across the entire world, right? So our history is really important to us. It's you know, we have this term airborne ranger in the sky and you have to always have an airborne ranger in the sky, which is someone who's passed away from battalion. That's your right. Someone wow. that you live up to, to keep you at high standard. Cause uh, you know, the ranger standard is about all the people before you. And truthfully, you never feel like you're living up to the standard. And for no. the rest of your life, you will always feel like no matter what you do or what you've done, you haven't lived up to. That's uh, awesome. That's great. You. And you're, uh, I mean, no matter who you are, you're a fucking new guy to someone. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's, uh, that's awesome. I didn't know the history part. So w- how long are you with them before your first deployment? So trial by fire, uh, about eight weeks later, I was off to eight weeks later. They tested all the new guys to see like who is worth their grit. Okay. Um, how? A lot of PT, like, like brutal. <laughs> it always seems to be that. Yeah, it was like who's gonna, who's in the back, the back four or five people. Right. Yeah. So they they deployed everyone a little bit early, about like two weeks earlier than us, but they didn't start uh, mission tempo yet. They were just like kind yeah. of prepping. There's got to be and a turnover. Like, right. We're too light, so we need to get some of these new guys prepped up so they can come on with us. So they're like, all right, we're only letting a couple of you guys go overseas, and then even a couple of them will actually get to go on target. So don't get your panties in a bunch. You might just be sitting here. And I'm going, no fucking way. I'm getting there. Yeah, I I don't want to miss the war. (laughs) Yeah, and everyone's going to be like, oh, you you know, you're the new guy still when you get back and other people deployed. That's that's even worse. So I just didn't want to be in that spot. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, now when they said sitting back, you're still going to go overseas, but you you might not be on on target. Yeah, so there's three options, right? So sit at home on home base in Georgia. Sit sit over there and be like support staff or Uh go over there and actually take down doors. We are going to take a second to mention firearms because we've talked about that before. Always um, an entertaining conversation, especially in the comment section. But I have mentioned F1 Firearms. Now it's uh, turned over to Watchtower Firearms. Got to go find Watchtower Firearms and see some of the uh, custom firearms that you can get there. I, I've been down there to the site where they make them at the factory. They take a block of aluminum and turn them into a, a custom firearm. Uh, and we actually, if you go find Watchtower Firearms, 
you will see on the website my mug, Robert J. O'Neill. I just made a custom firearm designed after the one that I carried on the big raid to Abbottabad. But this one is more high speed. It's it's more precise. It's put better, put together better than than the ones that I carried in the military. And because it's not, we're not the lowest bidder. Uh, but uh, great, great stuff there. You'll see Ray Cash Cares mug on the website. Click there, see some of the uh, the cool guy stuff that's there. Everything from AR fifteen, AR ten, nine mil, based on law enforcement and mil specs, but even a little more high quality. Um, you will see just some really cool stuff, really cool colors, all the technology, the paracord on the grips. Go find Watchtower Firearms. They are as cool as you want, as pretty as you want. I mentioned that if you've never had a firearm, you're going to be lucky because this is the best one you've ever fired. If you ha- have a, a bunch of firearms and this is the 100th one you have, this will be the best one that you'll find. So go find uh, Watchtower Firearms. They are bad to the bone. We also need to get into preparation because I'm sure you're seeing a lot of the craziness going on uh, in the country and obviously around the world. Uh, a lot of banks are failing. We don't know what's going to happen with inflation. There's 186 approximately more banks that are at risk of collapsing, and your bank could be next. Unless the Fed does what they just did back in March and print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the risks that we have with everything coming else from inflation, the recession, um, could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement account. So I need you to take my advice on this. Protect your financial future with something real. Gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, you can have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com, or you can call them at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly money with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. So that's protectwiththeoperator.com, or give them a call at 844-790-9191. So we had like two weeks of that. I did great. I was like in the prime shape of my life, and super motivated in the beginning for sure. I wanted to excel and, you know, being a New Yorker, I was like super motivated. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. There, there's a different level of motivation when you get that close to getting overseas and and I wanted it. So, um, I ended up getting to go overseas and getting to deploy as, uh, you know, in a combat role. So I get overseas to, to critty rock. And I can tell you, Rob, I didn't know how hot it was going to oh, be. God. Yeah. I remember them opening up the the aircraft and just this wave felt like yep. opening an oven. And I go, oh, yeah. my, I'm fucking dead. I have no idea I'm going to survive in here. It's like getting punched on every part of your body with heat. 
it's why it's a wild heat that I haven't felt anywhere else for sure. I think that the fir- my first reaction because I consider myself pretty clever when I the first time I felt the Iraqi heat was I sort of understand why some of these people blow themselves up. Oh, definitely. I, like what same, the fuck are we same doing? Same page. Uh, it's no <laughs> no no coincidence that it's a a very conflict ridden zone. I, I think heat goes a long way with temperament. Yeah. If you're agitated that much, yeah. there's got to be tension. Plus, plus you don't get to see women, but that's going to drive you crazy, I think. Nuts. But you know what I think, too, is is uh, I, I always say that there's so many people that don't have um, – they, they don't really have the platform to – because there's so many people that had so much to do with the overall effort. Think about – like, so it's 125 degrees. Think about that gate guard, the, the guy that's with the locals, and he ha- he's forced to wear – all the body armor, like the chest, the side plates, the nut plates, the neck shit. And he's got to be out. I mean, just to be out in that heat alone, Brutal. it will drive you crazy. And there there are so many people doing that. And, oh, by the way, you might get blown up at any minute. Yeah, it it was really a pretty crazy place. I will definitely yeah. say that. Yeah, um, it, it was it was something. I So when I got there, I was brand new. I didn't know how to kick down doors very well. I knew the basics of uh cqb but nothing really (laughs) intense luckily we had been to iraq for a while so on our little special operations base there was a a like a shoot house if you will a mock shoot house so i ran through that shoot house more times than i wish to remember Mm -hmm. uh till my head spun for sure non-stop for about a week or two three and then um, they let me go out with everyone. Oh, in cool! A combat role. So, and then, and then, in a, in a combat role, um, when, when are you guys working? Because I know you guys work with. I love how you put, uh, um, an East Coast SEAL team. I know damn well who they were. Did you go out with them a lot, or were you guys doing doing? So uh, in Iraq, we were more uh, like we had a couple of Delta guys that we were working yeah. with as well. Um, but it was mostly it was just a task force for us. It was, uh, a mostly ranger task force that was there for a while yeah. it was during the surge in iraq and we were the op tempo was pretty crazy I and mean, we were doing like two or three days every single night wow is that oh seven um, uh oh nine oh nine okay we did a couple yeah. surges <laughs> yeah 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 it was like the back end of that that what, push i i'm not i'm not making this about me but uh we worked with rangers in both theaters um, and I loved working with Rangers because you brought the firepower, but also the ability to get like, we could, we didn't need to have a main target. We could have three main targets. We'll take this Rangers take this, but what always got me, ex- I mean, cause it's, this is the, you know, we'll get into PTSD later, but at the time when I was a young Navy SEAL, I got excited when I heard the Rangers going hot with the two forties on one of the blocking positions I'm like, fuck yeah, it's It's about to get exciting. I truthfully, it's the it's so exciting to watch a, a ranger platoon in full action in like a mountainous environment. It's beautiful. It's it is it is. And I, I mean, that's that's the point where all the motivation, all the history, where all the all the the the, the physical buildup in the preparation to get in this fucking fight, and we're gonna win. Definitely, that's awesome. I'm getting excited right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so. Um, so Iraq, we were doing a lot, um, and I, that's where I really kind of like got to, I guess, sharpen my teeth, learn the skill, <laughs> get busy. 
Um, and then luckily I got an opportunity further down the road. We were uh, JSOC approached battalion and they wanted to do something different where they had um, dev crew and the range regiment work. And, you know, just as you said, we usually, yeah. you guys would hit one, we would hit two. They wanted us to work in like a more cohesive, more uh, combined effort. So we ended up doing that with uh, both, I think it was, yeah, both blue and gold squadron while we were mm -hmm. over there. Uh, we did a back-to-back -back rotation. So normally our rotations are like three months. Yeah. We ended up yeah. having to do six. We usually had the same the same group of rangers with us. We'd see them every rotation. Yeah, I know. It's. It, I was thinking about like all the years and you and I last time we were catching up too. And the funny thing is we missed each other in like a yeah. like, little bit here, a little bit there. So uh -huh. uh, I definitely, we have plenty of friends in common. Afghanistan yeah. was a different, oh, yeah. it was a different environment. That What, that what was your... Sorry, what what was your first impression? Because we're talking about going to battalion. What's your first impression of the D boys? Because I I personally was like, holy shit, that's Delta Force. This is badass. Uh, you know, I'm a Black Hawk down junkie before I got into the military, uh -huh. like every other Ranger. So I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and shut the hell up, especially as a new guy. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah. You know what was cool about Iraq too? I'll I'll take a step back. Is um, you know, we. We were worried at that time about like what the ROEs were and yes. how much trouble we were going to get in. Yes. And I won't bless their name just in case, but there's a four-star general that was in charge of JSOC at the time who came in and said straight up, you know, he's like pulled all the leadership out. He said, if you're uh, E5 or above, get the fuck out right now. And we were like, oh, wow. God, That's what is about to happen? We're all hammered by a four-star four general. <laughs> this is a real problem. Uh-huh. And he goes, all right, rank is gone, military bearing gone. I want to know what you're thinking and how you feel. First of all, best leader on earth, right? Yo, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That That's the way to go is to really get your ear to the ground and hear what the guys have to say who are new. No, that's that's what every leader should know, too. Um, if they would teach winning at some of these uh, the high-ranking schools, instead of like structure, just winning, that would be the first thing right there. E5 and above, get out. What do you guys think? Just yep. to, that's a that's that's someone that's not gonna tell you what you want to hear. If you, I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear, that's exactly. that to me is that's leadership. What a great that's a great general. So um, my question was, you know, if we shoot someone, uh, do I have to worry about going to jail? And he was like, absolutely not. Like, if Good. you feel that you need to do your job, do your job. And I will always be here to take the rap for you 100% and support you all the way through. So that Good. that left me with a positive thing. Yes. I know that's not always the case. No. A lot of people in your community have NCIS up their butt, making their life miserable, friends of ours in common. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. Luckily, I think the range regiment's a little more insulated from things like that, just because our leadership protects us in a in a more uh, strong manner. They kind of like push us to the side and handle the brunt for us so that we don't have to as much. Well, they should, too, because one of the reasons that our wars take so long is we don't know how to finish. And and um, we've got people that have never been to combat 
that have been to law school that make up rules that only uh, we follow. And then they'll prosecute us. Um, I mean, I'm pr- I fought Al Qaeda and the Taliban, Pakistanis and shit, and I'm pretty sure they don't follow rules. Yeah, no, I haven't seen a rule followed once. Not no, not, I didn't, I, not one of the Al Qaeda leadership pulled out a notebook and was doing a little checklist to make sure his buddy blew himself up the right way. <laughs> so yeah, so then we moved to Afghanistan, and um, I got to work with a lot of you guys. Where were you at in Afghanistan, Bagram? Um, mostly we were kind of like all over, but mostly Logar was like our main area. Okay. Of, yeah. Of yeah. acting. Uh, I, we, yeah, I just missed you. <laughs> I was there too. Yeah, I know. It's like barely. I know. <laughs> um, we even, we were, Syedabad was an area as well that we went to that was like normally not done by military troops. There was no one really there. So there was a small outpost there. They were getting overrun on a regular basis mm-hmm. almost. So we went out there and uh, secured the area, if you will. And it, um, that was a little bit further. But for the most part, we were in Logar we were working with uh, you guys. A very tough deployment, less op tempo. So yeah, one a night, one every like two nights. However, the intensity of fighting in Afghanistan compared to Iraq was like night and day. Yeah, I've always said that, too, because the Taliban have been fighting their entire lives. And so were their dads and their grandfathers. They've been yeah. fighting there and they know the mountains and they can move in those mountains. And it's uh, um, a lot of the foreign fighters I found with Al Qaeda were the, you know, shoot from behind a woman and then run away type. Exactly. The, a lot of that running away stuff yeah. uh, in Afghanistan, they run towards you. And I, yeah, oh, yeah. They, and they will. And they're I mean. I've you if you found a like a no shit Taliban fighter with the mascara on his eyes and you're interrogating like you can see hate and oh. that's a like a, a a a foaming at the mouth like I'm going to bite your neck hate like that it's just a way different it's uh I don't know it's it, Afghanistan was different and I'm again I'm 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 running my mouth no it's not. we both have the experience for sure uh <laughs> over there uh, one crazy Afghanistan was so different that it's like uh, one of the stories that I love is we were on a mission and we ended up separating the women at the end of clearing the target. And there was one woman that stuck out. One of the FBI guys that we were with pulled me aside. He's like, ah, does that look like a man to you? I go, ah, kind of looks like a man to me. Uh-huh. It pulls up, ends up being a guy, right? Yeah, under the burqa. Ended up having to be eliminated because he had some stuff under there. But yeah, and oh, the FBI guy. And see, that's a that's a good that's a good example of the four star general telling you don't worry about the ROEs because if you hesitate with a, a dude in a burqa, but all of a sudden he's also got an AK or a pistol or anything, and you hesitate and he blasts you, guess what? You're you're that game's up for you, man. I mean, so it's he, an, pulled, in, he, in, he actually pulled a pistol and a grenade, and oh shit, and that the grenade's worse. Yeah, so and the FBI guy that noticed him was approaching him and got injured real bad. We ended up having to uh medevac him out of there. Greg, if you're listening, I'm sorry for dropping you on the litter that evening. Um there was <laughs> oh, there's like a really, you know, there's like those shitty little wood bridges that they put over the irrigation oh, yeah. canals. Mm-hmm. I thought my footing was good and uh it wasn't. So did he did a little tumble? I've fallen off um some of those small bridges and I've learned the hard way that that's not necessarily only water you just fell into. Oh yeah, For- boy, that's a that, and that's a stench. You just 
burn your candles. The worst is, you know, we operate at night all the time. So uh -huh. you don't necessarily see all those holes under night vision. No. You know, nods don't exactly give you the depth perception that you think you have. Everything's a little off. Yeah, and, yeah your uh, depth perception is gone. The That's another difference, too, I have to give the Iraqis credit for, is Afghanistan smells much fucking worse. Afghanistan's a place where... If you've never been, I can't really explain to you what it smells like because you're not going to believe me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but the uh, at least the mountains are high and the fighters are harder in Afghanistan. Definitely. I mean, I, I found myself in a lot of weird situations in Afghanistan that I didn't find myself in in Iraq. I mean, being the little guy, I remember one night I was at the end of, uh, end of the group and pulling rear security and I fell into an irrigation ditch and I'm oh. tiny and you can't see anything above my head and there's no one behind me. So the guy in front of me, me does the look behind and doesn't see anyone. And I'm going, uh, so I just start putting my laser in this guy being like, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here. Took like what three do do? minutes, worst three minutes of my life. I thought that I was stuck in the irrigation ditch for the rest of my life because I couldn't see whether he noticed me or not. Oh, geez. That, and that would, wouldn't that be a way to go? Yeah, he was a real hero. He drowned in an irrigation ditch and got found <laughs> by a by a group of goat herders. Yeah, that's like the worst, right? You don't want to be an operator that like dies in some really No, it's not. It's not the death that would there. scare me. It's like, can you imagine what people are going to say about me? The when worst. I, I fell in a shit ditch. Damn it. Same thing. Or like. I've had wires at like in bathrooms and stuff. Do you ever yeah. want to be the guy that gets blown up on a shitter? Not really. There's definitely certain circumstances that you just oh, blown up on the shitter over there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the, all the memories are coming back. The uh, when we well, we I mean everything from the rules of engagement to a dude in a burqa. I would be worried right now if you if you're in Afghanistan, you're running into a dude in a burqa. You'd have to ask him how he identifies and don't, <laughs> don't necessarily assume. You just he, say, excuse me, they, uh, yeah, are you a they, terrorist or not? What are they? Thou, what are thou? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's not, but, uh, yeah, some of the, the weirdest shit in Afghanistan. Um, I remember when, because of, they were, they were trying to, uh, integrate us more with our Afghan forces. The issue was the showers because, and I, I mean, the, they had us for a while using the same showers, but they don't have their shower. Our showers look like shitters to them. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the shower waffles, but that's disgusting. Yeah. And it's like, give them their own and we'll take ours. And I'm not trying to be the ugly American. This is different cultures. And yeah. this is and it's just fucking gross. They're allowed to do their cultural thing. Just uh, we also worked hard for our American culture and we'd like to preserve it to some degree, at least yeah. in the shower in the shitter department. For sure. Yeah. To turning the sink into a stove so they can cook a lamb. Like, <laughs> and again, this is stuff where they're going to say, oh, you're just being an asshole. No, you just haven't seen it. And I'm not lying. Bulls in the living room for no reason tied up. I mean, just yes, I've told the camel in the second floor of a damn hut and no one believed that it's, it, the camel was in there. How to get through the how to get through the door? I don't know, because I'm in Afghanistan. It fucking sucks. That's all we got. You know what, Rob? I never actually thought about how they got that bull into that living they room built, until just now. They built the room around the bull when he was a baby or something. That, and again, that wild. doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, exactly. Of course, it doesn't make any sense. That's why we're over here, I guess. They'll, so yeah, they'll I mean, be, they'll have, they'll be, they'll have our democratic society in three weeks. I'm sure. I but think that's I just think, the whole uh, thing building the nation. That's what we get ourselves into. That deployment was definitely, um, it, it definitely was rough. We got to see 
the best of what combat has, you know, that people assume that you, you go to special operations, you automatically see combat no matter what. Um, that's just not the case. No. A, a lot of the times you can be in a lot of these elite units and you never really get the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time, if you will. So we got what we wished for, I guess, over there. And it was a lot. We unfortunately lost a couple of people, uh, two tri-state kids that I cared about a lot, Ronnie Kubik and Jason Santora. Um, and, you know, one of my things that I remember most about that was when that happened, the dev group dudes came in and they put booze in, in the lockers in their ready room in their empty lockers for us. And it always took me back at like what a class act that was and, and how appreciative we were that it was almost like a gesture of the fact that like when we bleed, we bleed together. Yes. Yeah. It was a gesture that may seem simple to most people, but a, you're not allowed to have booze over there. So, you know, to, to ease our life with contraband and to engage in, you know, the loss together, it showed that I don't think it matters where you come from in the military. At the end of the day, we work together, we bleed together. You know, this is a community. That's brilliant. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just tough to, uh, even tough to bring up. Uh, so, um, so that's, did you, did you, after that rotation, go back to Afghanistan to go to Iraq? So that was it. Two to Afghanistan is the back to back to Afghanistan yeah. and to Iraq. So I got after that, um, after the last deployment, uh, that deployment took a beating on my body period. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm not going to go into the million firefights that and stuff that, you know, injuries and, uh, just even the shale rock, the injuries that you took from there. Right. We were doing like eight K nine K infills on yeah. shale rock. My knees took a beating. My ankles took a beating. And when I got back, I started doing some heavy training again. And I was having real bad back problems. I did, I carried the aid bag literally the entire time as well. So, you know, you said the smallest guys in the range regiment carry the yeah. most gear. That is, for some reason, some stupid ranger tradition that will never die. Um, and that added weight plus the impact of the injuries that I had uh, caused a real bad back problem for me that, that got yeah, the, permanent. The, the wear and tear is something, too, that... That's another thing with combat too. A lot of people don't realize it's, I mean, and not every target is active. It could be a dry hole, but I still hunt nine clicks to get here through the mountains. And I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Just yep. carrying the pack in the, the, the terrain. Yeah. That's the, the wear and tear. Cause most guys I know, um, back problems are really common knee problems, uh, among I other fractured, things. I fractured L4 broke, uh, it was L1, L2 or S1, L2 and L3. I think it was. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, so I got out um, from my injuries. Before I got out during the medical process, because you have to do like medical outtake mm -hmm. when you're in the military. Yeah. Um, I got to be useful while I was there instead of just sit there for the five months of four months of out processing. And because of my background and uh a lot of the things that I knew, I got to serve as the NCOIC of the budget uh, committee. So I got to do all the training and travel budget, 
and got to get my hands dirty and see what the finances look like in the special operations community uh-huh. to prepare me for the outside world, which was cool too. Now, was that was that because of your family's background or why why finance? So not really. I kind of just spoke up. You yeah. know, I, they're like, all right, do you, you know, we're sitting around and one of the other guys that was in the medical process was doing that. And I got, I'm actually pretty good with finances if you want me to take a look. And next thing I know, I was just doing that. They let me get attached to them while I was doing the medical out processing. So I got to put that on the resume when I got out. And yeah, that, that's a bit, that's some badass stuff about the military too, that you, you get a lot of, um, a lot of traits that not you don't necessarily have a diploma for, but that that like right there, just the training while you're doing medical or or I mean the the leadership, the communication stuff too. That's that's I mean that that's why we should get into. Um, well, first of all, you went to uh, strategy director at Greenberg Capital, right? Yes. And what what how does that how does a how does it how does a dude carrying the rucksack twice in twelve hours get that? Yeah, well, when I first got out, I did the same thing that like I think a lot of us in the special operations community do, which is like fall back on the one thing that we know. The problem with that is, is there is a limited amount of uh, jobs where that is useful for us. It's a struggle for special operators when yes, they get is. out. There's some of the most brilliant, capable, hardworking people on earth, oh, yeah. but they don't have the necessarily like the typical background that most people are looking for. So that's true. But but what I, I I've got a foundation I got to plug, Special Operators Transition Foundation, SOTF.org. And what I found, I mean, we started that in I think 2014. Uh what we found is in any industry, what the bosses say, the CEOs say is that, you know, this is the best person I've ever had. It took me six months to train him. Now he's doing everything. Yeah. And we definitely make amazing employees, friends, husbands, fathers, period. Uh you know, I've found that the military produces some of the most dedicated people on earth. Yeah. And the, I mean, the dedicated lo- loyal wow. loyalty to a fault. Because <laughs> one I of the agree. things with transition is you got to, re- I mean, as opposed to being a battalion or being in a SEAL team, not everyone you meet has your best interest in mind. And you got it. That's, that's one of the hardest things to realize. Um, like one, my, my, my first uh, work was in Washington, D.C., and you learn that shit between the media and the politicians really fucking fast that uh, they, they're not necessarily looking out for you. Yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> so here's what we got to get into, because like I mentioned before, we're going to um, we'll, we'll have we'll have war story hour. And obviously a lot of we're, we're going to do some stuff at the range, too. But I wanted to talk about. So we talked about losing friends, losing losing brothers in arms. And something that's coming up quite a bit, especially now, the further we get away from combat is uh, post-traumatic stress. And the problem we're having is a lot of guys, men and women, are not admitting it to anybody. Uh, the w- What they've seen, I mean, you've had it, I've had it, I still have it. But the further you get from it, it seems that it starts to get more difficult to... I don't know, wrap your mind around what what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I so my sister's also has a PhD in, in uh psychology as well. We we've had this talk a couple of times too. I post-traumatic stress, I think, from us uh, as a special operations community compared to like some maybe like a regular civilian who went through their own type of trauma. For us, A, it's frowned upon to be weak in our community a lot of yes. the time. So like 
someone like Cap, for an example, you know, what happens with someone like that is they're expected, you're in this position too, right? You're a symbol for the community. And there's a lot of expectations that come with yeah. that. And people expect you to be this thing all the time, which is a lot to live up to. It's an identity and it's an identity yes. that you feel like is being forced upon you a lot of the time. Yeah, you're supposed to be tough. And and unfortunately, a lot of people are are taking their own life because they don't want to deal with it. Either the pressure of what they're expected to deal with or the things they've seen in the past. And, um, you know, we're. I mean, guys are speaking up. I just saw a post from Tim Kennedy, a fucking bat, the ultimate male. <laughs> and he was saying how it's okay to, to have a mental issue. And as long as you talk to each other, and I've said that all the time that it's okay to call someone. And even if you're having a high, like I'm having a great day today, I'm going to call someone just to see if they're having a bad day, but definitely the, even more the, so on the high days, if you ask yeah. me, right. Well, we did. I mean, we did talk about this a little bit recently. I'm not going to get into the, geographical um, uh, specifics, but the things that seem to be working for a lot of us, and I, I think it's important to to bring this up, to raise awareness for veterans, for and not just veterans too. People have traumatic stuff happen to them, um, but the, 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 one of the ways out is alternative medicines. Like uh, what's working well for me is the uh, hallucinogenics. So, yeah, and I think hallucinogenics might even be like the wrong word, right? So people hear that and they have- yeah. uh, a stigma about it, which is kind of the hardest part to get over when it comes to this whole thing. For some reason in this country, Prozac is fine. SSRIs right. are fine. Adderall well, is even, fine. Even, even during the lockdown, um, liquor stores were essential businesses, so they're open. <laughs> so you can drink your face off, which is horrible for you, but you can't You can't do – I don't even know what to call it. I, I mean, just uh, the DMT is is probably the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, so I'm a big advocate for this period, and I've worked with, uh, so is my wife, with a charity for veterans that I think is doing the most amount of work in this space. It's called Heroic Hearts Project, run by Jesse Gould, uh, former 2nd Ranger Battalion guy. I would definitely suggest having him on also. He, oh, hell yes. He's a uh, wealth yeah. of knowledge when it comes okay, to good. psychedelics, and he's... He's been psychedelics. That's, I shouldn't have used hallucinogenic. Sorry about yeah, that. Psychedelics. I had to fuck that up. I, I'm I'm dumbing it down for me. My notes suck. I mean, it's all good. The truth is, he's like the the voice for I think the special operations community as far as the government is concerned. A lot of the legislature that's coming out, a lot of the lobbyists coming out. It, it's him and his organization behind it. Um, it, How's the lobbying going with um, with on Capitol Hill? How? So, how not as good as you would think from something that has like an 87% efficacy rate, right? So with no real damage at all. If you'd said that about any other drug in American history, yeah. it not only would it be passed, but it would be on the head of the New York Times every day for a week about how yeah. absolutely wonderful a drug is with no side effects. You know, um, I want to hear my theory on why they won't pass stuff like yes. microdosing LSD or or peyote or or uh, cannabis or DMT ayahuasca. Here's why: because they want to keep they keep, they'll lose control of you. Think. I mean, if you can if you can be hungover like you like you are on your first jump at Benning and not yeah. really care, that's why the liquor stores are open. That's why Amazon's open because that's the power. And uh, they won't pass this because they'll lose control. And, and I mean, it's just it's an it's such an eye opening experience, and it helps. I mean, it helps me deal with the PSD, a PTSD. Yeah, so honestly, 
I don't think that people are comfortable talking about their experiences in the military. The fact that you're willing to come forward and do that, I think, I hope for every veteran that's listening here, Rob is one of the more straighter edge, most professional uh, people that I know in the special operations community. For him to say that this is something that works, I hope that you take it seriously. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I take it serious because where I had it, it was explained to me um, what it is, what it does. It's it's thousands of years old, and but they they find it in the Amazon, they find it in the uh, Mississippi Valley, and they find it in Egypt. And years ago, they had the same experience, but they weren't communicating with each other. It's it's a uh, um, they all said it's like a, it's I call it like a, it's like a tour of your own soul. Yeah, you can, but but sometimes you're you're forced to see the demons, and then you can get rid of them, and then you get you get a tour of a dimension. It sounds nuts that um, w when we're here, the left brain, right brain is kind of working against each other, and it's so narrow. But I mean, there are cultures that that um, that in the Amazon that would give it to babies because there's another dimension they don't know about. They're making them aware of it, and I'm not trying to sound like a crazy person. No, but for, I, and I. You know, truthfully, for everyone who's like, oh, this is voodoo science, your body no. pr produces uh, endogenous DMT all the time. Uh, it's produced in your brain. It's produced in your lungs. It's produced everywhere. It, it's the same chemical that's released when you die. Um, I think that's interesting. Yes. It, you know, a lot of people say that it's similar to a near-death experience. You know, that's what I've, I've heard that, too. And I, I can I can see that. Um, and it's a I mean, it's. I think DMT is the most intense, like ayahuasca. It slowly lasts, but it lasts longer. And then the DMT is like four minutes, but like the first 30 seconds, you're blasted through the, the atmosphere. Then you're in, in the space and you can kind of see everything. And, and you yeah, can make, a lot of people you can make explain, with your demons. A lot of people explain. And like, so heroic hearts, a lot of what they do. And a lot of what I've helped them do is like organize uh, ayahuasca retreats uh, in places. And I would say the difference between like ayahuasca and DMT for people, the best way to describe it is a lot of people have said like, it's a gentle blanket ayahuasca. I wouldn't say that at all. I would say ayahuasca is like a, it clears your body. It's, it's almost like a, uh, I would say like a body cleanse mixed with a mind cleanse where it's, you get smaller amounts of that DMT for a longer period of time. Yeah. So you, you can kind of like touch that space and, it lets you be objective about the things that you are, you know, that you judge yourself on, that you work on yourself on. I think yeah. a lot of it is about recreating trauma with a different emotion. What's amazing about DMT, psilocybin, and other psychedelics is it's about neuroplasticity. So your brain is, you know, hardwired to see an event or think of an event and replay the same things over and over and over again. And what psychedelics do is they break the pattern. They let you, you know, produce new pathways and start thinking about things in a new light with new emotion attached so that you're not, you know, a veteran post-traumatic stress. If there was a combat situation that was super stressful to relive that without any of the fear or the panic. And that way when he's or she is experiencing that again, it's not done with the same level of guilt or fear or emotion that's normally involved with it. Yeah, I mean that's a perfect explanation. I, I, uh, it's hard. It is hard to explain it to people, but it is a cleansing. It, 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 and just, just for so many people, 
to say similar experiences from different parts of the world. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a religious experience for some cultures. And, and uh, I mean, the, 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 the best way I could tell people is like, I'll have, I have rough days. And when I have a really rough day, I just, I know it's time to to do it again. And it really cleanses me. I've done it recently and it, uh, I'm a, I'm a different person today than I, you know, I was a week ago. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason that people don't want to do this stuff Rob is, you know, especially in our community, we're big on like gun rights and people mm-hmm. are like worried about how the government's going to think of you that way. And yeah. I hope the government wakes the hell up and and they realize what's good for them. And if not, it's our job as a society to say, uh, you know, what's right and wrong for us. So, yeah, I um, mean, but well, I, that's like, it's yeah, that just they, speaking of open minded, they need to be op- more open minded about this. And, and instead of giving you 10 bottles of pills at the VA for everything from your back pain to your migraines, why not try something that actually works? And I have yet to meet anyone that's done it. And a lot of, a lot of guys are going places so to do it. I they get to see the, the emails thing. that come in, right. From the veterans before and after, and you know, they're, they're heart wrenching when they come in. These are guys who yeah. worked hard and they just can't figure it out. And it's not their fault. It's nope. It's life, it's circumstance, it's what happened over there, it's what happened to them beforehand. Um, yeah. And that's maybe- that's important for them to know because, you know, too many people are committing suicide. And just to be blunt, it's like, look, before you do that, just give this a try. Yeah, if you're, it's scary as shit, but you're gonna live through it, and you're for gonna everyone feel better. that's out there. If you're like at that point and you're in the military, or you ever get to that point it's not worse than dying. So no. I, I encourage you please to yeah. look for something like that before you ever even consider doing something like that. Where's it, where is a good place to start for someone that's looking to, to so get this into- is the tough part, right? So like I'm involved with a yeah. lot of the ayahuasca churches and, and stuff like that. And because the government doesn't want to do their job, uh, it, there's limited resources for the amount of veterans that need help. We have way too many people that served in combat to facilitate those people with three or four facilities in the entire world. Like that's an actual problem. So, so we, need, the, we need private the, citizens to step up and like okay, help yeah, build pe- these churches and, and do things that can help create treatment centers across the nation and get legislature yeah. passed so that we can just create the pharmaceutical products and work with psychologists to do this in a safe environment instead of veterans doing, you know, having to do this on their own. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's amazing that that it's perfectly fine to have a a super center package store full of booze on, on an army base, but you can't do something that works. Nuts. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Okay. um, Yeah. That's important though. We'll, we'll figure out a way to get the word out um, about that. And then to end on a very positive note, let's talk about train club, this badass gun range. Yeah, so uh, I, with Rob and a mutual friend of ours, Jeff, we we created like a one of a kind gun club that's got all the luxury amenities of a country club out here in South Florida to fit in with the country club environment out here. We're about 25, 30 minutes from the West Palm Beach airport. And we have a state-of-the-art facility, four ranges. We're going to be doing contracts there as well, but it's really meant as a place for the community to come together. And we're using our uh, private resources from the community in, in the range to be able to provide training for the 
the government as well. So all of our, a lot of our revenue goes to uh, training the local and state law enforcement agencies around here. We're very involved with them as well. And um, yeah, I mean, really, we're just trying to promote Second Amendment rights in a less rah-rah way. We understand that not everyone wants to be an Army Ranger yeah. or Navy SEAL. Yeah. We know that people just want to learn how to protect themselves and give them some of the skills that we learned while we were over there. And um, if people are interested, what website can they visit? So they can go to trainclub.com and you can apply. We are um, members only and we only take you based on your application. So you have to be a good fit and you got to be willing to learn. That's that's number one. <laughs> and fortunately for me, uh, physical appearance is, is not a problem. So we're good. Definitely. Um, well, okay, good. Um, well, Drew, we are going to definitely talk again because I, uh, so. we, I mean, just there's stuff we didn't cover, but there's always current events, shit like that. And every time, like right now, for example, you get two vets together, stories just kind of build off themselves and it's always fun. Um, definitely. And I'm very honored that you would come on here for your first podcast. I hope I did a good job. If I think I you're bored, fantastic. If I anyone, I apologize, but uh, <laughs> yeah. hopefully Rob filled in the gaps enough to, to make it exciting <laughs> for you. Well, we'll do this again. I encourage you to visit trainclub.com and uh, we will talk to you very soon. Definitely. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. So that's that. I hope you enjoyed episode 49 with Drew. Like he mentioned, his first podcast, which is very cool. I think we covered a lot of ground there. Mental health after combat. We also covered combat. Talked a little bit about uh, preparation at home, what you can do with firearms. If you keep yourself prepared, you can take care of your family, watch your mental health, try to take care of each other, and remember that you're never out of the fight. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.